Well, we finished up our five-sermon series last week on this, I believe, and this week we're going to go into one of those messages that has, it's a pretty practical message, uh, and it falls in the category of something you've heard me say a bunch of times, what does it say, what does it mean, and how does it apply? And this is kind of one of those application messages that we're going to talk about today, and uh, that is... How do you keep from making the same old mistakes over and over again? And the Bible is full of examples. We're going to pull one of those out and take a look at it here in just a minute. Did you ever take the Myers-Briggs test? Have you ever taken that? The Myer, if you, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the Myers-Briggs test is like a psychological makeup test where you... Uh, Take all, answer all these questions, and when you come out at the end, you have four letters, and what those four letters are, and the way they are arranged in, uh, in relation to each other, tells you what kind of person you are. When I was a, um, I think I was probably about a first lieutenant, was the first time I took the Myers-Briggs test, and then they they have a counselor a lot of times that takes you off into a, a, a space and, and they counsel you about what your four letters mean and what it represents. And my counselor took me off into a room and he's, now I don't know if they took everybody, but maybe he felt like he just needed to talk to me personally. And he took me off into a room and he said, uh, uh, Lieutenant Long, if that was my rank or whatever it was, uh, the prisons are full of people like you. <laughs> and I, thank you. And, and I said, uh, why is that? And he said, because you don't learn from your mistakes. He said, it takes you making the same mistake over and over again before you finally get it through your thick head. And you know what? He was right. I think this time, if I do the same thing, this time it'll really work. You know, it'll, how dumb is that? Now, the reason they give you the Myers-Briggs test is so that you will recognize your weaknesses and your faults and you can take action to correct them. And hopefully I've done that some. Just don't talk to Gloria about it. Well, today we're going to talk about making mistakes and then making them again, and then maybe making them again, and expecting different results. What can we do about it? So what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply as we take a look at the Scripture? Let's see what we can learn from our text. Matthew 26, 31 to 35. We'll be showing it on the screen, but you might want to look at it in your Bible as well because uh, we'll be referring to pieces of this from time to time as we go to it. Matthew 26, 31 to 35. Now, Jesus had just had his last supper with his disciples, and it had been a really emotional time. Now, not in the Matthew account, but in the John account of the Last Supper, it talks about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Uh, can you imagine anything more, more emotional than this person 
whom you recognize as the Savior of the world, as God Almighty in the person of a human being, getting down on his knees and washing feet. And then there's Peter, who I am convinced has the same four letters that I have. Because Peter said, no, no, Jesus, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you got no part of me. And Jesus said, well, no, Peter said, no, I didn't mean don't wash my feet. I mean, wash me all over. And, and, and Jesus said, look, if you're already clean, feet's enough. And so Peter, he, he kind of stumbled his way through that. Well, they've been through that. And Judas has been identified, and he has left. And so now Jesus has taken them out to the Mount of Olives. And this is the place where he's going to be betrayed. So there's a lot of emotion that has just taken place. And so let's see what happens after, after Jesus has taken them to the Mount of Olives. Starting at verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So there's hope. I, I, I have risen. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. There's his first mistake. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I die with you, I will never disown you, repeated the mistake. And all the other disciples, picking up on what Peter said, said the same thing, making mistakes. To stop the process of making the same old mistakes, we need to understand first why we make mistakes. Peter, I think, was still stung by the way he had made the mistake at the foot washing episode. And so now he wanted to prove to Jesus that, that he was okay. He had a lot of lessons yet to learn. Why do we repeat the mistakes that we repeat? Now, put it back in your own personal context, not just Peter. Why do we do that? Peter's example shows us several reasons we keep on making mistakes. First of all, we keep on making the mistakes that we do because we are stubborn and hard-headed, to put it bluntly. We tend to assume that we can will ourselves to be immune to temptation. Look at verse 35. It says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And Peter, when he said that, he really meant it. He wasn't trying to blow smoke. He, was, he, he thought, this is, boy, I really mean this. If I have to die with Jesus, by golly, I'm going to do it. Have you ever been in a position where you made promises that you weren't able to keep? You took out a note on a time payment note and you weren't able to meet the payments. You signed up for a class in college and you didn't show up all the time. Maybe some of us didn't show up any of the time. We 
you know, we signed up for stuff that we weren't able to do. Or you promised your family you'd always be there for them. And it turned out not to be true because you let work get in the way. Or fun or something else. You let it all change. You know, we just think we know what we're, what we're promising. We just think we know what the answer will be. In these situations, we're dealing on emotion. Emotionally, I can make any kind of promise I want to. Well, I meant it when I said it. Doesn't that count? No, because you're dealing strictly on emotion. You need to think in terms of reality, not just emotion. It's twisted logic. I call it stinking thinking. You, it's not any good. You're dealing on without looking at the reality of the situation. And that was Peter. His emotions were writing checks that his life could not, could not cash. He was stubborn and hard-headed. So I encourage you today, do a self-evaluation. Is this a pattern in your life? Is it something you need to think about? Maybe everybody in the room has this all licked. It's not a problem. You don't ever make the same mistake twice. But let me suggest if there's one or two people in here that do, that you do a self-evaluation and that you see if there's maybe some lessons to be learned here for you. Are you stubborn and hard-headed? Number two, we keep making mistakes because we refuse to accept that we are normal. We tend to think that we are above normal. Verse 33 says, even if all fall away. Peter is saying, I'm not like everybody else, Jesus. But in saying so, he made three very human mistakes. He showed that he did not believe what Jesus had just said. Jesus said, Peter, you're all going to fall away. And Peter said, not me. So he didn't believe Jesus. That was a very human mistake. Judas had just revealed his true nature, and the disciples were probably feeling pretty smug. Hey, Judas has gone away. We're all left. We're, you know, hey, we're still here. We're good. We're not ever going to go away. They were feeling pretty judgmental. I'm no Judas. I'm the real deal. I'm still here. So Peter showed that he did not believe what Jesus had just said. Second, Peter showed contempt for his fellow disciples. Even if all, even if the rest of these other ten yahoos fall away, not me. I got the right four letters. Not, I'm, you know, I'm hanging in here. I won't, I won't fall away because I'm above normal. I'm not just your average guy. And when we start thinking like that, then we're vulnerable to Satan. And three, by saying that, Peter showed that he had a super ego an oversized opinion of himself, which falls right in there with what we just said. He saw himself as above the normal. Do you? Do you see yourself as above the normal? The truth is we're all pretty normal. So don't think of yourself as above the normal. I, one of uh, 
I've, I've told you that my wife has a prison ministry where she corresponds with prisoners and, and encourages them along. Uh, and not long ago, one of them got out of prison. And uh, we've been trying to help him along a little bit. And I'm, he worries me because he tends to think that he's smarter than everybody else. And he did that once before, and he ended up back in prison. So we're trying to encourage him not to do that because we're all pretty normal, aren't we? We're all pretty normal. So because we're stubborn and hard-headed, we keep making mistakes because we refuse to accept that we are normal, and we keep making mistakes because the flesh is weak. We just think we're strong. We think we can just be strong when the time comes. But folks, the flesh is weak. My son Chris, when he was a little boy, he had a hamster. And the hamster's name was Hammy. And he had those trails that go all around the bedroom, you know. And when Chris and I got in the, in the car to go somewhere one time, and I told him, okay, Chris, buckle up. And he said, uh, I don't need to, Dad. I said, oh, yeah, you do. And he said, no. He said, if you have to slam on the brakes or if we hit something, I'll just brace myself. I said, see, he thought he was really strong. He thought he could catch himself. At the moment that something bad was about to happen, he'd catch himself by bracing himself against the dashboard. I said, Chris, I want you to think about Hammy, the hamster. Let's say we go pick up Hammy and throw him against the wall. Would Hammy be able to brace himself? He said, I get the picture, Dad. So he buckled up. Same thing. We just think we can stop ourselves when, we, when stuff like this comes up. Sometimes our spiritual mistakes do slam us against a wall. But more often, Satan uses sin to chip away at our human weaknesses. He knows our vulnerabilities. He knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And Satan knew how to use Peter's influence in a negative way. Notice that all three reasons Peter made this mistake can be summed up in a failure to see reality. Because we're stubborn and hard-headed. Because we refuse to accept that we're normal. And because the flesh is weak. They all have to do with failure to see reality. We need to pray for God to help us to see reality. That's why we keep repeating mistakes. Open my eyes that I may see visions of truth thou hast for me. Open my eyes. Illumine me, spirit divine. Oh God, help me to see the truth about myself so that I don't keep making mistakes that hurt other people. Open my eyes, illumine me, and that hurt my witness. Which brings us to how to stop repeating mistakes. How are we going to stop this? Jesus showed Peter his weaknesses in verse 34. He said, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he can show us our weaknesses if we listen to him. What are your weaknesses? 
Again, while ago I suggested that you do a self-evaluation, you need to do this. Give yourself your own Myers-Briggs test. What is a, would a self-evaluation show you about yourself? A real, honest, open-eyed evaluation. Here are some common weaknesses for us to consider, and Satan loves these. If one of these is a weakness that you have, then we're going to talk about how to deal with it. One of them is a common weakness that Satan loves for us to have as Christians, and that's living on the edge of fear. You're afraid. You're afraid of past lies that you have told catching up to you, mistakes or indiscretions in your life. You're afraid they're going to catch up to you, so you live all the time worried about that. That's a weakness in our lives. And we need to learn how to let God take those. We'll talk about that in a minute. Another weakness, self-doubt. Satan loves for us to doubt our own ability to deal with life's problems. Self-doubt is one of those weaknesses. Worry. Do you spend your life worried? Do you spend a lot of time worried? Be anxious for nothing but in all things, let your request be known to God and so on. Don't be anxious. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't, but, but worry. But we all, we all worry. But does worry consume your life? Do you spend all your time or an inordinate amount of your time worry? Are you worried about your ability to handle the future? Do you live on what ifs? What if? this happens, or what if that happens. We have a tendency to, to dream up what ifs in our lives and live on the, on the edge of what if this bad thing happens. Obviously, you have to plan for eventualities and contingencies. That's just good planning, but you don't live on the worry level of, oh my goodness, I'm so afraid. What if this happened? No, no, no. And that can get you, that can be a, a, a something that will make you repeat mistakes. Worry. Another is allowing others to decide your relationship with Christ. Let somebody else decide what you're going to do with Jesus in your life. If you do that, boy, that will help you make mistakes. Are you concerned what your friends and others will think of you if you give yourself fully to Christ? Don't do that. Let your relationship with Christ be between you and Christ. Now, obviously, your family members are going to know. Bring them along if you can. But if it comes to a choice between your family members and Christ, who's number one? Christ. Christ is number one. If it comes to a choice between your job and Christ, what's number one? Job won't, Christ won't leave you out there without, without his support. Christ needs to be number one. Don't let others decide your relationship with Christ. Or maybe it's something completely different. Maybe your weakness is arrogance like Peter's was. Or maybe it's something entirely different. Whatever the weakness, see it and admit it. Admit the weakness that you have. Then, 
First, that's becoming aware of your weakness. And then remember the words of Jesus. Boy, that was a tough moment for Peter, wasn't it? When he remembered the words of Jesus. He heard the rooster crow three times. And he remembered the words of Jesus. Jesus had said, Peter, you're going to mess up. He said, not me, Lord. Uh Uh-uh. And he said, yes, you are. He said, no, uh uh-uh. Repeated the mistake. And then he heard the rooster crow. Oh, and he remembered the words of Jesus. Verse 75 of that chapter. Peter remembered the word Jesus has spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Listen, folks, to the words of Jesus. Listen to his words. Get into the scripture. What does it say? What does it mean? Again, how does it apply to me? What can I look at here in the scripture that will help me to understand what he wants me to do with these weaknesses? Listen to the words of Jesus. If we're critical of other people, look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. If you tend to be vengeful at other people, listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Listen to the words of Jesus. If you tend to dwell on lustful thoughts, remember last week we talked about how thoughts develop into attitudes and attitudes develop into actions. If you tend to dwell on lustful thoughts, that's just the first stage. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 28. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her, in his heart. And folk, women, that works the other way too. It's, it starts out with the thoughts that are in your heart. If your weakness is being greedy, Luke 12, 15 says, watch out. Be on your guard. This is Jesus talking. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Don't be greedy. Oh, Jesus is so much more. Jesus. I remember a lady in Portalis named Mrs. Gardner. I was in my 20s when I knew Mrs. Gardner, and she was in her 80s. And Mrs. Gardner could barely rub two quarters together. But Mrs. Gardner was one of the happiest people I've ever known in my life. She had so little, but she loved Jesus so much. And she was such a happy person. Was she greedy? (laughs) Not on your life. And she would invite us to her house. And she just made us feel so warm and welcome. Greedy? Nah. Love Jesus? Absolutely. Isn't that a lot better life to live? Just give it to Jesus. If we're tempted to give up on the Christian lifestyle, to give up. This is just too hard. I, it's hard to be a Christian in an unchristian society. And our society is becoming less and less Christian all the time. 
And it's just too hard to watch my language. It's too hard not to go to the kind of movies that my friends want me to go to. It's too hard not to do this, that, or the other. We're tempted just to give up. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy and are burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, Jesus is saying, I can make it okay. Just come to me. We can work this out. Sit down and talk to me. We can spend time together, and I can lift you up and give you a sense of my presence. I can let you know that I'm with you. You're not alone dealing with all these difficult things in life. Because I love you. Listen to the words of Jesus. And then be willing to let your heart be broken. Are you willing to, I used the term last week, kiss concrete? Are you willing to let your heart be broken so that God can bring you to where he wants you to be and you can have the greatest relationship with him possible. Verse 75, the second part of it, and he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter had messed up with the foot washing. Peter had messed up with the denial thing. And now the, the rooster crowed And he was reminded of the words of Jesus. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Oh, God, what have I done? I'm such a louse. Why do I keep repeating these mistakes? If you know that you're struggling with being out of the Lord's will, do you have the courage to pray, Dear Jesus, Do what it takes in my life to make me the person you want me to be. Do anything. If that means whatever, do it and make me what you want me to be. Break me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Are you willing to do that? To have the best relationship with Christ that you could possibly have? Do you even know Jesus Christ? Steve McQueen, the actor, the guy that was in The Great Escape, he was in The Sand Pebbles, Nevada Smith, and a whole bunch more movies. He was miserable. He had an alcohol problem, had a broken marriage from womanizing. He was empty inside. And in despair, he went to a crusade from one of Billy Graham's associates. And he gave his life to Christ. Did you know that? Steve McQueen gave his life to Christ. And then he requested to speak with Billy Graham. And Billy Graham had a two-hour layover in Los Angeles. And he spent the two hours with Steve McQueen in McQueen's limousine talking about Christ. And uh, McQueen was concerned about whether God could really give eternal life to someone 
as messed up as he was. And Billy Graham showed him Titus 1-2 in his Bible. Titus 1-2 says this, The hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And he asked Graham to write it down for him, and Graham gave McQueen his Bible. McQueen died in Mexico seeking an experimental treatment for cancer. And when he died, he died with his finger on Titus 1-2. that good? I don't care how messed up you are. You can know Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. Would you come to him today? Would you pray to receive Christ just now? Or Christian, if your relationship is strained with Christ and you need to know him in a new and a better way, talk to him right now. Give your life to him afresh and anew. Ask Christ to become Lord completely of your life. Give him your life over again. We sometimes call that rededication of your life. But if you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, pray to receive him now. Or if you have and you've never been baptized, this is the time to do that. Would you bow your heads with me, please, right now? Are you struggling with your repeatedly making mistakes in your Christian life today? Ask God to show your weaknesses. Look to the words of Jesus. Be willing for God to do whatever it takes. And then trust God to bring a better day. Remember, after Jesus' resurrection, he dealt with Peter in a loving way. He could have really let Peter have it. But he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And then he said, feed my sheep. And he says to us today, I love you. Will you give me your life? Will you feed my sheep? Oh, my friend, will you give Jesus your life today? Will you make him your Lord and master? Dear Jesus, I pray right now, if there are those in this room that have never committed their lives to you, that they will do that at this very moment that they will pray a prayer that says something like this. Dear Jesus, I know you love me. And that's why you came to this earth. Because I have sinned and you died to forgive my sin. I now accept your death as payment for my sin. And I give myself to you. I ask you to come into my life and to be my master. Dear Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer or words to that effect, you've given your life to Christ. Oh, that's the first step. And Jesus wants you to make it a lifelong walk that gives you the advantage of His presence with you always through the power of the Holy Spirit. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. There will be counselors here at the front. And if you need to talk to one of these counselors about the next step to take, whether it's a first-time acceptance of Christ as your Savior, the one and only time, or if it's to recommit your life to Christ, come and talk to one of these counselors, and they'll talk to you about the next step to take. Would you please stand? Jesus, I pray now, as we stand in reverence before you, that you will help us to be just the people you want us to be in our relationship with you. In Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Now, as the music plays, if you have a commitment to make to Christ, this is the time to make it. Won't you come? Won't you come now? Make your commitment to Christ. Are there others who would come at this time? This is the very moment where Christ is anxious to walk with you through his wonderful life that he has prepared for you. just a moment I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer and if you didn't want to come during this moment but you would still like to have your time with one of these counselors you just come on because there will still be counselors here at the front for the next few minutes and you can come and talk to one of them again about the next step to take in giving your life to Christ and making him the Lord of your life the way he wants to be Father, I pray that you will help us to be faithful to you in all that we do. And if there are people here that need to pray to receive you, that they will do that right now and that they will give their lives completely and totally to you. Father, as we leave this place in just a moment, I pray that you will help us to be faithful to you in all that we do this week. Help us to be serious about giving you your place so that we don't keep on making the same mistakes over and over again. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we have our Palm Sunday service, and I'll be talking about triumph or tragedy. Thank you for your attendance today, and we'll see you next week. And the counselors are here.